This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right? Well, I trust so. This is your good friend Bob Cook, and we're back together again looking at the Word of God. We're still meditating on that subject that Paul brought up in 1 Thessalonians 5, where he said, Brethren, pray for us. I'm looking today at Hebrews 13:18, where the writer says, Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that is to pray for us, in order that I may be restored to you sooner. This whole matter of uh, a good conscience. We trust that we have a good conscience. Well, <clears throat> it brings up a lot of ideas about conscience. Uh, the uh, Greek word for conscience is uh, a compound that means to know with. It's along with your knowledge. It's something God has built in as a uh, mental and moral referee in your own life. Our Lord Jesus spoke to the crowd who brought to him a wretched lady who had been caught in the midst of moral sin. And he said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And they, it says, being convicted by their own conscience, went out, beginning with the eldest, right down to the youngest. Finally, our Lord Jesus uh, stopped writing on the ground and and straightened up and looked at the lady and said, Isn't any man accusing you? And she said, No, man. He said, You go and sin no more. Uh, convicted by their own conscience, the realization of who and what I am is right there. God put it in you to help to guide you. And you'll find that conscience is uh, a faculty, <clears throat> to use an outdated word, psychologists don't use that anymore. They used to, but not anymore. Well, I'll use it. A faculty that God has built in to you. Now, it's possible to so abuse your conscience that it becomes, as the writer says, seared as with a hot iron, having their conscience seared. First Timothy 4.2. A continual sinning inures you to, uh, uh, to uh, the pangs of conscience when you continue to do that which is wrong. We've all read the stories of people who were hired killers, uh, who were contract killers, and they would, for a fee, hunt out someone upon whom a contract was let, and they would kill that person. They thought nothing of it. Well, in one interview <clears throat> some years ago, the question that was asked, well, doesn't it bother you? No, it doesn't bother me. Well, did it ever? Well, at first. And there you have the, the story, in brief, of what happens to the conscience. The first time he pulled the trigger, it upset him. The second and third time, not quite so much. And now, after who knows how many lives had been snuffed out by this hired killer, it doesn't bother him at all to take a human life. Conscience can be deadened by continual abuse. Yes, of course it can. 
But Paul said, I work at this matter of having a, a conscience void of offense. He said, I labor to have a conscience void of offense toward he said, I exercise myself. Herein do I exercise myself. This is Acts twenty four sixteen, as I'm quoting it. Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. He worked at it. Now, how is that? Well, uh, the Word of God is the catalyst that uh, constantly keeps your uh, conscience uh, burning brightly, shall we say. It, it keeps the flame alive so that it isn't extinguished. He said, I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense toward man and toward God. Now, how do you do that? Well, number one, you go to the Word. Uh, the blood of Christ cleanses your conscience from dead works to serve the living God, Hebrews 9.14. And so you go to God's Word and you allow the blessed Holy Spirit to apply it to you, and you can be sure that God will zero in on areas where your conscience needs to be pricked, needs to be refreshed, needs to be uh, started uh, burning brightly once again to use the figure of speech of a, of a lamp. Your conscience will be appealed to by the Word of God if you allow it. Always Beloved, when you're reading God's Word, ask the question, what does God want me to do about this passage? There is always some step of obedience that you and I can take as a result of our exposure to the Word of God. The, the faithful Holy Spirit will do that for us. Jesus said, when He has come, He will teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He shall guide you into all truth. To be guided means to get in motion. And so the Holy Spirit guides you as you read the Word of God, to action in obedience to that Word. I was talking with Henry Brandt, my friend of many, many years, an experienced psychological counselor and a speaker to people of professional level as well as the rest of us. I was talking to him years ago about this whole matter of counseling, and he remarked that uh, the best thing for anyone to do is to allow the other person with whom you may be counseling to see what God's Word says about a matter. And then instead of saying, now I'll tell you what you ought to do, don't you tell him what to do, you ask him or her, now what do you think God is asking you to do? See, conscience can be stirred by meditating on the Word of God and asking the question, what does God really want me to do about this matter. As a matter of fact, a guilty conscience is a deterrent to effective work or witnessing. Every personnel manager in the world knows that uh, someone working for or with you who has a guilty conscience is going to be inefficient in his or her work over a period of time. And the same thing is true of learning. A guilty conscience, says the psychologist, is a deterrent to learning. If you've got something on your conscience and you know that you've done wrong or said something wrong or you're involved in a relationship that's wrong, it is a deterrent to learning. And you may be able to parrot off the things that you've learned in the textbook, but really you won't do well 
over the long pull as long as your conscience is guilty. And so uh, Paul says, My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. This is Romans chapter 9. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience bearing me witness. What he had to say came out of a conscience that was cleansed and right with God. You will be ever so much more effective in all of your relationships, beloved. And that goes for how you are at home with your loved ones, how things are at school or at work, the office or the shop or on the street or in the community. You will be ever so much more effective in your relationships with other people if you'll make sure that your conscience is right. Now we come up against a problem here, uh, and I've met it with people again and again. They say, well, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to forgive me, but it still bothers me. Well, you have to take God's word on this again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Someone approached my wife and me many years ago now, about 40 years, I suppose it would be, uh, and said, I just can't get rid of the feeling of guilt over something that happened. And there had been a tragic mistake in that life, uh, I suppose maybe 25 years before that date. And this dear person had been carrying it around uh, on the conscience all this time. Well, we pointed out that, uh, that Jesus died to cleanse our consciences from dead works to serve the living God. And if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us. That means take it away. And so that was done as this dear one knelt in the kitchen of our parsonage, uh, there in that place where we were uh, uh, holding down the pastorate. And then the joy and the smile that came through the tears when uh, this remark was heard to be made, I've carried that burden for 25 years, but now, thank God, it's gone. See, now this is what, uh, what you have to do. You go to God's word, you believe what he says, you turn it by faith, this guilty conscience, this burden, you turn it by faith over to your blessed Lord and let him handle it. He will, because he has promised so to do. Now, Paul says you've got to watch out for the other person's conscience. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but the other's. Don't wound, it says, when ye wound their weak conscience, the weak brother or sister. If meat make my brother to offend, he says, I'll eat no meat while the world stands. This matter of being responsible to other people's conscience comes in to play, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Now, is that going to mean that you're going to be in bondage and constantly looking around to see if everybody approves what you're doing? No, not at all. What it does mean is, that you are going to pray your way through the day and ask God to keep you from, from wounding anybody else's conscience by some thoughtless word or action of your own. There are some things that you might defend and get away with, but uh, you don't want to do it because you would offend another person's conscience. Do you understand me? He said, when you wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. You're, you're hurting your Savior when you hurt some other believer. Thoughtless and selfish words and actions may indeed be something that you think you're getting away with. Of course, that's doubtful. You never get away with anything, do you, in this life? 
But thoughtless words and deeds may be something that you carry on and you think, well, it doesn't matter. But the real determinant factor, beloved, is what it does to other people who observe you and people who respect you and people who are trying to emulate you and pattern their lives by yours. What does that do to them? There was this, uh, this farmer who found his whole life changed by something that happened one snowy morning as he was on his way out to the barn and his little three-year-old was toddling after him calling eyes following daddy right in your steps because as the as the farmer father was stepping through the deep snow his footsteps made an imprint into which that little boy was placing his own feet eyes following daddy right in your steps and it got to this man, they tell me, and he turned his life around, turned it over to the Lord Jesus Christ because he realized that there was somebody stepping in his footsteps. You're responsible, beloved, for the effect that your life has on other people's consciences. And so we need to keep prayed up and uh, right with God and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us so we don't wound anybody else's conscience. Quite a truth, isn't it? Holy Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that thou wilt make us people with clean consciences whose lives and our effect on others will help their conscience as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.